Hello and welcome to a special series of Block Talk, which we're calling Block Talk Explores. These quick listen episodes will be split by topic area, as our guests, who are all industry leaders in Scotland, will be discussing three specific industry topics. Topic number one is education and awareness of the industry and what property factors do. Number two is recruitment within the industry and any challenges that we that they see. Um, and the third one is customer care. Um, we'll release two episodes in week one and the third will be released the following week. We hope you enjoy the series and as always, it would be great to hear your feedback. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Block Talk podcast. So we've got a special series going just now called Block Talk Explores. Um, so in this episode, we're going to talk to Andrew Bulmar about recruitment. Um, I'm not going to give Andrew's bio, so he needs no introduction. He's a prominent figure in the property management for many years and is now serving as CEO of the Property Institute. Shall we go on to recruitment? Okay. Um, this 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 question brings out a huge amount of things, actually, and um, especially at this at this time. Um, could you tell us about your experience with recruitment? Um, the, or, well, possibly, two... or possibly members of TPI as well, if you know about that. Well, there's two different. Um, yeah, we could that, that brings it up to three then, doesn't it? So there's recruitment, as in when I ran my own business. So my own business was in the provinces, in the middle of England. And um, there were very few people with the necessary skills and qualifications to do what we did, right. so which is block traditional block management. So generally, I grew my own, and um, I only I only poached one person. Everybody else was homegrown uh, or converted. Um, you know, surveying skills or what have you, and then converted yeah. across. So, um, so that was always uh, that was always tricky. Um, the um uh, tpi uh, the property institute um formerly armored irpm is an interesting one because uh, I, I i very much recruited on um i need to say that i'm, I'm trying to think of the right word to say this so that i'm using the right language rather than using something which could be which could be um uh found to be a bit off piste but um, recruiting, I'd say for recruiting on culture, recruiting on philosophy, recruiting on attitude. Yeah. Um, because if you've got highly engaged people that are supportive, the reality is that provided they believe in what it is that you are doing and they are doing, um, you, you've got a fantastic team and that, that has certainly proven to be the case. Um, bringing the two organisations together, um, no two organisations have the same culture. By definition, there has to be a mismatch, so you're, yeah, you're putting two cultures into one. Um, and I'm pleased, it's, it's probably tempting fate here, but I'm pleased that so far we've, we've kept both teams and indeed recruited new. Okay. Um, and um, and I, I think that's fantastic. That's a huge tribute to them yeah. that they um, you know, were able to look across the, the, you know, the, the other lot, the new people um, who were then there. And... Uh, uh, and, and, and go with it uh, and buy in and as they started to learn each other and understood each other they recognized that there were so many, many talented people uh, within the organization so so that that has um i've been very lucky uh, with my, my my team and they've taken that sort of positive approach um but uh, you know if there's a if there's a 
uh, blow my own trumpet a little bit. I think it is about being that you know we we set a positive tone yeah. and an expectation of of of, um, of tolerance um, where we're pushing boundaries. Things go wrong, so really important to have a no blame culture. Yeah. I tried something, it didn't work. Okay, well, there's a learning outcome, and we move on. But nobody's yeah. going to get for, for for something that doesn't work. Um, and I think that's that's been absolutely um, critical. Um, turning to the third piece, which will be what's going on in the sector. My word, we it's it's difficult at the moment. Um, yeah. Our recent survey tells us that about one in five jobs are vacancies are not filled, and we know that the average working day for um, uh, somebody managing buildings is about forty-five hours a week. Right. So, so they're they're putting in shifts. Um, and you'd expect that if you've got unfilled vacancies. So the the it's 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 a challenging role, and it's not without its benefits if you stand back from it. But it is a challenging role, and um, when you're backfilling for people who aren't there, if you've got a, an under undersized team, um, then the burden does become significant. And we are certainly seeing churn. Um, it is noticeable because we have the data on our database, who's working for whom. Um, we, it is noticeable that some firms are churning more than others. Yeah. That's the gain of the, of the culture of the firm. Um, yeah. I know of some firms that are, uh, at one point, we're hitting a 50% staff churn on the front line. Wow. Um, that's that's not sustainable. That really hurts. Uh, I know one housing association that hits, hits 70%. Um, so uh, Lord knows what's happening in there. Um, other firms are doing rather better. And also there is pay disparity because um, the first question anybody asks is how much? It doesn't matter what it is, how much? Um, you know, we want you to manage the building, how much? Okay, well, we, I want to go and work for you, how much? And and yes, people will move um, for for pay. But actually, again, if the culture is right, if they feel good in their space, yeah. uh, then uh, pay doesn't, it, they may say that pay is the determining factor, but actually looking forward to going into to senior pals. Uh, to see your team and uh, feeling good about the place that you work is, is for me, I think, a, a key driving factor as, 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 as one of the components of the benefits of, of employment. Yeah, no, actually, to be fair, there's a huge amount to pick up on in there. I'm all, the next question will pick up on, on some of it. I, I do I do get what you, you mean. I mean, there's this horrible phrase. It's not, well, it's not a horrible phrase. It's a phrase that I don't I agree with it to a certain extent is that um, people join companies but leave management because at the end of the day, you know, you join a company because you feel as if that's where you want to fit in. And if that doesn't work, you know, and if, um, then that can cause an exit. The, the, the other thing is as well that, you know, the, the culture of a business and the way in which it reacts with every single thing it does it is is so, so important. In fact, the way we actually recruit now, I mean, we've got, CPL has 20 staff, right? And it, and it had 14 six months ago, okay? And we have a head of people and culture. Now, okay, she only works three days a week. She's a very experienced person. And, and she followed me from a business that I used to have. Um, I don't know whether that that means I don't know what that means. I'll not go into that. So you can maybe answer that one day herself. But but um, one of the things that we now do because she understands who I am, what I'm good at. Um, one of the things she does is she runs all our recruitment, and the first interview is nothing to do with technical ability. 
Okay, so, okay, you've read a CV, you've had a look. The first interview, which is normally telephone, is to make sure they're a culture fit. And if they're not a culture fit with the organization, they don't even get through to technical. Now, they could be the most technical person in the world, but unless we feel that they fit with our culture, they won't, they won't get it. And actually, we've had two people now in the last six months actually say that they are willing to take a cut and pay to come and work for us because they want to work for us. Now, when you get to that stage, you've got to make sure your shop is as good as the, the, the front window, right? You know, you're, you're pushing all this stuff out saying, you know, how good you are and, 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 and people are looking in and seeing that culture. You just got to make sure that what's in the back is as good because if it's not, they will lose, they will leave very, very quickly. But I, I think it's so important. And my, my, the very first boss I ever had, said something to me one day. He said, you can, you can teach technical ability. You cannot teach personality and attitude. Yeah, and it stuck with me my entire career that you cannot, you cannot change someone's personality or their attitude to work. Yeah. Fundamentally, you can't, change, you can't change the spots on a leopard, I agree. But with the right culture, you can bring people forward that otherwise wouldn't. Um, you can lift people up that, um, uh, that might be struggling. Um, we've recently carried out a staff survey and the results were generally pretty good, but there were some learning outcomes in there. And, yeah. um, um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty pleased with the team, but you know, there are things that we can improve. And uh, when, you, when you do a staff survey, you find out what they are. Yeah. Um, and, and it's incredibly helpful to, yeah. to, to, to further improve on that. Yeah. Yeah, we, we do this thing every, I don't know if you've come across this, we do this, this thing every, like, we don't actually do it every Friday, we do it actually Thursday. Uh, but it's called Friday Pulse, and it measures the pulse of the organization. It asks one question, how happy are you? Okay? So now, you don't we, – we KPI response. We don't KPI happiness. You can't KPI happiness. You not – you know, um, excuse my French, but shit happens all of the time. People have good weeks, they have bad weeks. Those problems happen. But it's looking at how resilient the business is. So when you've had a dip, how quickly does it come back and all these sort of things. And, and also it gives people the opportunity to publicly thank their colleagues and share celebrations and share frustrations as well. So we find it a really useful tool to kind of gauge where we are and how we're doing. So, yeah, I mean, but, but it's, it's similar to your survey. Yeah, similar to your survey. It's, you, you've got to, if, if you don't know, you can't fix it. Yeah. Yeah, the, the the pulse thing is something that actually I've, uh, we've discussed and are looking to introduce. So yeah. um, we'll, uh, we'll keep you posted on that one. Good, good, good. Okay, so some of the things you mentioned there come into the catalog. So um, we talked to Malcolm Perryman um, for the Property Institute and Zoe Southwell from Block Recruit. Now, this was after the survey, because Malcolm been on before so quite the survey. And also, I think they did a... They did a session at the last arm of, um, conference on kind of results and talking about these sort of things. And, and there were a couple of things that came out of that. And, and this is not obviously 100%, but there was a likelihood that employers in this sector were probably as gray-haired as I am, probably my age or older, um, but they are and male but their employees and the people that the average property manager um, was 30s, female. 
so there was a kind of disparity maybe between how those kind of two um, people spoke to each other. But also there was a bit of a disparity in the survey. The, the, the kind of top three things that benefits in a business, um, one was pension. Okay, it's not really a benefit these days because it's mandatory almost. Um, um, professional, paying for someone's professional um, membership and paying for training. So those are seen as the kind of top three um, things that are provided. But the top three things that people actually wanted were more holidays, flexible working, and not flexible working in that saying you can come in, come in on a Tuesday and Thursday and don't come in. You know, flexible working as in employee chooses. And the third thing was bonus. Yeah. So there was a bit of a disparity between those things. Any views on, and this, I guess, is is this a reason people leave and some people have a 50% turn rate? Is this, a, is this the reason one out of five jobs is vacant? Yeah. I don't know what your view on that is. Um, I'd struggle to link the, the those notions to statistics. Mm-hmm. But clearly, um, flexible working, people want to come into the office for a bit they want to see each other it's a it's a healthy thing about a human interaction yeah but where they have a home circumstances permit because not everybody has i'm very lucky i have a spare bedroom and i've turned it into an office and i've got a great working environment not everybody has that yeah you perch on a kitchen table especially when the kids come home and need to do their homework or have a clatter around it becomes a difficult working environment so yeah. i think it's different for different people yeah. um one of the um, uh, uh, sort of macro trends of this comp- uh, country is that we tend, to some extent, perhaps to a lesser extent, to follow the United States. And if you look at American realtors uh, in so many things, uh, thankfully not everything, but uh, we haven't uh, uh, we haven't had somebody wearing horns marching up Downing Street yet. But um, the uh, give it time. Um, the, if you look at the American realtors, um, they, there's, you get a, a, a strong bias towards uh, women working in that sector. Yeah. And the American culture is one where the work-life balance is very blended. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily think it's healthy. It's not very compartmentalized. But you will have, um, and this, this, this is very gender stereotypical, it kind of implies that the women look after the kids while the blokes go off and do hero things, but, which, is, which, of course, is nonsense. Uh, but historically, it's come from a base where the, 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 the woman was able to build her job and, and organize her life around her family first. Okay. So the kids need these things and then, and then maybe do a viewing in the evening, for example. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a, there's a, it, it, it provided, it's, it, it's a slightly anarchic system. Um, it's very commission-driven. So yeah. nobody's, watching, nobody's watching the clock. It comes down to, you know, so that person has got to perform, get those sales. Um, but it allowed that uh, individual to have flexibility to integrate their life and their needs and their family with the work that they were doing. Um, and that, that works to the benefit of everybody. Um, so there's a, the, the, the flexibility piece I don't think is going to go away. Yeah. And I think a recognition that people have families and lives um, is, uh, and, you know, something you may be carer, a carer or something like that, um, where the industry is able to flex around those, I think industry will benefit. Yeah. Um, and um, but there is a there is a need to get back in the office and see folk from time to time as well. Definitely. 
um, socially as much as anything else. We 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 have a, a thing where we just get together every Tuesday, Thursday morning um, on on uh, Zoom. Um, everybody piles in just for you know potentially. Sometimes it's ten minutes, sometimes it's half an hour, um, and it's a good time to be able to communicate across the team, yeah. um, working virtually. But also, I make a point of talking nonsense. You know, there's there's and having chatter. Um, and it may be about football or somebody's dog or you know, somebody's gone hang gliding or whatever it is, but it's important to spare a bit of time yeah. in, in what, what, you know, those those online things often tend to be quite structured and formal. Yeah. Uh, it's good to just go off piste and talk nonsense for a bit because that's what you do around the kettle in the office. Yeah. That's what you do when just leaning around a desk and having a chat with, you, with, your, yeah. with your colleagues. So. So I, I like to um, uh, I like to run a, a thread of informality through it and, and, and you know, let everybody um, uh, be, you know, spend a bit of time on it socially as well. Okay, okay. No, that's interesting. That's interesting. I do I do agree with you. I mean, we've had some massively varying views on this um, on this subject on this kind of city, <laughs> office, no office, and. And to me, you know, you're right. I mean, flexible can mean I want to go to the office five days a week. You know what I mean? So that's what somebody wants to do. And in fact, Jax is in our office at the moment. She's in two or three days a week, depending on workload. And she's pretty much always in the office, yeah? But you also, um, I, I tend to go in kind of when I can, but, but normally Tuesdays and Thursdays during the week, um, just because it, um, just because it, I guess it breaks up the week. I think the thing that, that I miss is you, in a, when you're in an office environment, especially if you're in an open plan office environment, you kind of learn by osmosis, right? You hear something and you help someone out and you, can, you can chat to someone and, you know, I mean, and, and you, you, you gather information when you're, when you're, when you're not necessarily in a meeting to gather information. And I think that's what I miss the most. I mean, we, we and to get around that, we huddle every morning. So everyone in the organization huddles with their, with their lead or line manager in the morning. And we get through all our huddles by kind of half nine. You know, so it's just 10 minutes. You know, what, you, get a, you get a minute. What, what, you know, what, what did you do yesterday? What are you doing today? And what are you getting roadblocks? You know what I mean? That sort of stuff. But it, that doesn't get away from... Hi, Brian, how would you deal with this? And how would you deal with that? And these sort of that osmosis point, I think, is really critical for bringing on the next generation. Yeah. I'm not speaking of age. I'm just speaking of experience within the industry. Mm. Um, that osmosis piece, just hearing what's going on, yeah. hearing the tone of a phone call. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if there's a, if there's a difficult person, one of your colleagues, an experienced colleague, is handling a, dif a difficult call, you start to listen in, don't you? And you can yeah. hear how that call, and you think, you know what, the... They're staying calm. They're being really generous. They're they're they're, they're investing some time. Yeah. Um, that's how to handle a call. And you pick that up purely through osmosis. You won't get that working in a, a home environment or a yeah. virtual environment. So there's, without question, there is value in being back in the office. But it does depend, again, on the person and on the function. Um, so, uh, as I say, most of our team tend to head into the office for one or two days a week. That's that's it for TPI. But of course that. They, they, we make a point of having um, uh, quite a number of socials. We get together. Yep. During COVID, I recruited people from all across the country. So I've got customer service people in the Midlands. Yeah. This is supposed to be London-based yeah. uh, in theory. Um, but, uh, you know, in the Midlands, down in Colchester, my PA is north of Newcastle. She's 
you know, a little bit further north and she'll be on the, the other side. In fact, she is actually on the other side of Hadrian's Wall thinking about it. Um, the, um, uh, so they're, they're, they're dotted all over and some people come in and some people don't. Yeah. The 300 mile commute would be a little bit rich for, for the Karen, but, um, but there is a, there is an osmosis point and, and, and setting culture without having uh, an office presence is, it is doable. We yeah. don't. We built a business. We did the full merger. All of that was, was done on, you know, the, the growth of the business and then the, the merger, and the setting of the new culture was done entirely online. So it can be done. Yeah, it can be done. But when you're, especially when you're bringing in new blood, it's great to be able to sit in the office and have a chat. Yeah, no, no, I get it. I mean, it's a balance, isn't it? And you know, you know, and and nothing that you can't set a rule. You've just got to, you've got to deal with each each individual or each subject and its own. Uh, with its own merits and deal with it, deal with it that way. I, I, we are, we are, we're exactly the same. Our development team um, was based, we have a an office in Southampton, an office in Glasgow, and our, our, um, our development team was Southampton based, and that's historical because I used to run a business down there when I started CPL, I took a couple of people with me. Um, and um, so that's where it started. And our, our Southampton office now is, is, a, is a storage room with a couple of desks. I mean, it's the same office. There's just a pile of rubbish in it. But, but the, but, and the guys go there for, you know, to meet up and things like that. But we now have developers, Glasgow. I mean, they're spread. I think the, the furthest north is Glasgow, but the furthest south is the south coast. So, you know, you cannot get them together. You know, so the, 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 it's a, but it comes back to something you said earlier. You want the best person for the job, right? That best person for the job. If they're in Newcastle, they're in Newcastle. You find a way to make that work. Yeah. So if you're looking for the people who fit your culture, who are the best people for the job, and and, and people who can enhance your business and help you grow your business, then you, you, you've got to find a way to make it work. <laughs> okay. So last thing on recruitment and this is kind of touching on you and you stayed away from this in the, in the last question this is kind of touching on younger generation you you were you were talking about um bringing people on experience or getting less experience experience regardless of age there is a there is a whole raft of people talking about gen z gen z which is the way you want to say it um um younger people who kind of they're looking for how the job benefits them, and they're probably moving around quite a bit job-wise. That is certainly not the root of a Gen X, someone like me, who has had one interview in his entire life. Yeah. Um, uh, well, sorry, maybe for promotion, but you know what I mean, moving jobs, yeah, moving companies. Um, um, that's kind of a... that. They don't, they're not the same. So you could think they don't sit together, I guess. Um, have you got any views on kind of, or have you had to accommodate, do anything to accommodate these kind of different views of different um, generations? Um, from an educational point of view, uh, the younger generation, so that, uh, as I say that, I sound so terribly old, and perhaps I am. Um, the younger generations, their learning styles are very different. They're very digital, uh, yep. they're very device-based. Um, they can acquire information very quickly. They're very good at sifting information very quickly. 
Um, but there is no doubt that there is a trend for shorter, sharper content. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, the, the, uh, learning by reading text, uh, a lot of pages, excuse me, <coughs> learning by reading a load of, load of pages of text and then regurgitating that in an exam, um, it's becoming increasingly challenging. Um, what happens is they're looking for far more engaging ways of learning. So we have we have a full-time Moodle ninja, uh, Binu, uh, and he uh, uh, his his entire life is dedicated to making learning material more interesting and engaging um, and visual. Uh, okay. And uh, and he's you know he's already using AI packages for for converting text to speech and things like that. Right. So that it can be taken in through the ears, it can be taken in a podcast, it can be struck down into bite size. Instructional videos now we're putting markers all over them, so in a something that might last an hour. Actually, people are only dialing in for you know just that little bit in the middle. Right. So there's a marker so they can just land straight on it, see the bit that they want. I think there's another trend which is that there is less retention of information in their heads, and we can see that as an old as an old bloke, um, 57. I used to remember dozens of phone numbers yeah. in my head. I don't remember a single phone number now, hardly, because it's all in my phone. So yeah. I don't need to know it, therefore I don't bother to put it into my head. And the availability of, uh, of information, the ability to access information, means that, again, there's less of a requirement now for people to remember stuff. So if you're, it becomes a challenge, if, you have, if they sit an exam, and and the question is, you know, what what part of which act um, does the, does a thing relate to? Um, they they kind of struggle with the act. They kind of, you know, is it, is it open brackets part B, close brackets, open brackets yeah. two, um, close brackets. They, they they tend to be less uh, familiar with that, but they would understand the general principles. And more importantly, they just simply know where to look it up. Why do I need to remember that stuff when I can just it's at my fingertips? Yeah. The the advent of um, AI is going to just is, is going to further that, yeah. Um, and um, again, if we use the analogy back in the old days, um, I remember when calculators came in for maths exams. How do you mean you take a calculator to a maths exam? You're doing letting the machine do the job for you. Um, and and AI is going to have that similar sort of revolution. Um, yeah. which is, it becomes it's a phenomenally powerful tool, which can be used really badly. Um, a classic one, if you want to go to ChatGPT, is if you ask ChatGPT the question, um, who set the world record for crossing the English Channel on foot? And it will give you an answer. Because clearly nobody's crossed it on foot. Um, but it will give you an answer. And it's basically just lied. It's just made stuff up. Um, yeah. you, depending on how. So the ability to use the tool becomes a new skill. And that's yeah. a new skill which, which nobody had a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, but already they're highly adept at it. So, so the ability to use new technologies um, and to um, locate and interpret information is changing dramatically, and that's about to go through another really big change. Yeah. Next next two years, we'll see a huge shift in how AI is delivering information. Yeah. Not not just to the professionals, but of course also to our customers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, to be fair, it's a, it, I've I've had various kind of conversations with people about AI. I know we're getting slightly off topic, but uh, but I guess you know it, it, it is about it is about how people consume information. And someone told me yesterday about a, a thing. Well, the one thing is ChatGPT. If you just log on, I think it's based on data 
what, nearly two years ago? September yeah. 2021. Yeah, 2021. So, so there's a, there's a, if you ask it, um, something about a record that's been broken in the last nearly two years, I think you can get the wrong answer. But, I, but I, I was listening. In fact, I tell you, one of, in fact, I had Helen, our head of people in culture, was on an AI course for HR, um, which she found was fascinating. One of the things that I was giving a lecture, um, it was something in America where where a paralegal didn't do the research and just asked ChatGPT. So um, and then so their partner or their boss or whatever in the in the business walked into court and started reeling off um, the state versus X and the state versus Y, um, and that solicitor is now no longer practicing because they were disbarred because the paralegal just asked ChatGPT and it made it up. So all of this stuff that we're talking about was just rubbish. It was just, it didn't happen. So you're right. It's actually quite scary. But someone said, someone said to me yesterday, I was having a drink with some neighbors last night, and, and he's in data. Um, and he said, he's a statistician. And he said to me, do you think your, which businesses do you think will still be here in five years? What will still be relevant? And that's an extremely difficult question to answer. You know, just imagine a property factoring being not run by people. That, that's pretty much impossible. It's, it's, you, that doesn't bear thinking about it since I spoke in time. Yeah. But it may. It's, 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 there's a number of components to this, isn't there? One is the ability to, for human interaction. We spoke of that when we were talking yeah. about within the office. And in fact, we started on that in terms of it was about communication, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, if somebody is looking, if a customer is looking for an answer, uh, you know, the bin store is overflowing when we get it emptied. That's something that um, AI is pretty close to doing. In fact, you know, the right programming, you can get it done now. Yeah. Um, to uh, to get the thing emptied, and uh, the customer is generally happier. Octopus Energy um, during the energy crisis were being deluged with calls. So six weeks they implemented AI on their customer service yeah. um, desk. You know, uh, uh, hello, hello, Octopus. You know, I'm frightened about the new bills. What's my best tariff? What are my options? Yeah. And the AI scored a higher customer service rating than the humans. Okay. Now, in fairness, the humans were probably left dealing with the really tricky stuff. So that's probably a bit of a skewed thing. But AI can certainly drive better consumer outcomes for certain things. But when it comes to you know having a meeting on site to discuss a thing yeah. and a motive, um, the humans will be there. So I think humans will continue to be very much involved in uh, managing buildings, managing people's homes. Um, again, it comes back to that comment earlier about the fact that the homes and money are highly emotive. Yeah. Um, the I think they will. The, the professionals will use AI to deliver better services, getting that bin store out quickly. Yeah. For example, let the machine do that and crack on with it and just give you a report. Um, so the, 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 I think the future is there will still be humans involved. I think the AI will be able to deliver better services, better communications. I think it will be it, used well. It will be a, a really good tool. And you can see it already. If you use Microsoft Outlook already, you can see that Outlook is reading what you are receiving in your emails and starting yeah. to suggest first lines back. Yeah. We know that that's just going to increase, isn't it? Soon, yeah. but Outlaw will just be giving you the whole email to respond and just saying, approve it. Yeah. And that means as a property manager, you will be approving things rather than necessarily authoring them. So you'll yeah. be approving and, and, and tweaking yeah. um, and, uh, and making that relationship uh, with the customer. So I don't see AI taking property managers out of business uh, or, or people out of the business. Yeah. Um, I see it being a fantastic tool coming forward. I 
with that, of course, you've got the threats about things like data integrity and data ethics. And I think that again then comes back to the profession being a properly um, uh, ethical uh, profession, making sure that people's data isn't abused and, and, and taken away for nefarious purposes. Yeah, bit of a wide ranging response that one. Yeah, yeah, that one, that one kind of went a wee bit off top. Yeah.